0: If you have your Bibles, we're going to just jump with me to the book of Amos. Whoa, whoa, where is Amos, right? Uh, if, you, if you'll look towards the end of the Old Testament, you'll find that. Amos chapter 5. And when you find that, I want you to to take your fingers, if you have your Bible, uh, and, and go to Hebrews. So block those two. Hebrews chapter 11, Amos chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 11. No, the Lord. The Lord never stops seeking you. I, I don't know why I just need to stop and tell somebody that. The Lord is is never stops seeking you. He wants a relationship with you. Somebody needs to hear that today. The, the Holy Spirit just stopped me dead in my tracks here. He's God is, is is calling you. He is seeking you. He wants a relationship with you. And, and I've titled this this sermon today, and I don't know, this is going to be different, maybe a little bit different than what I normally do, but I, I was, I, I, the Lord gave this to me a couple weeks ago, and I've been wrestling with this really, really hard, but, but I'm, I'm all wrong with it because I trust him, he's been good to me so far, um, God is seeking you, but I need to tell you this today, this is the title of my sermon, never stop seeking God. God is seeking you, but you should never stop seeking God. Everyone, say, never stop seeking God. All right, Amos chapter five, um, verse four says this. Now, this is a promise to Israel. I understand the context of this, but let me tell you something. Because of Jesus Christ, because I'm grafted in through the vine of Jesus Christ, every promise I'm given to to Israel, you know, God, to Abraham, I, that God has given that to us, amen, So, so I want you to look at this, it says this, for thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, chapter 5, verse 4, says this, seek me and live, seek me and live really simple, I know, it's, it's so, but it's very profound, I don't know, the Holy Spirit's messing me up here today, God would say to you today, seek me and live, some of you may be at the end of your rope, but God is saying, seek me and live, if you got, jump over to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, Hebrews 11, Say, like, oh, I got one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament today, that's all right. Is this? It says this. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently what? <laughs> there's something profound in the Old Testament. There's something profound in the New Testament that when we seek the Lord, something powerful happened. So I, I want to speak to you on this this simple simple subject of never stop seeking God. Will you bow your heads with me in this house? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your presence. God, I feel your anointing in this house. God, I pray, Lord, that you would use me today. God, these lips of clay. God, this this body, Lord, that you've given me. God, this mind and this heart. God, this voice and this platform today. God, Lord, that you would anoint me. God, Lord, you would Use me how you see fit today. God, I'm nothing more than a mere man. But God, God, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me. Lord, that the word of God would go forth. God, your word is already anointed. But Lord, I pray, Lord, that it drops in hearts today. Lord, that it changes lives forever. God, And I pray today that, Lord, people will leave with a desire to seek you in a way that they have not before. God, I pray those who are seeking for answers will find the answer today in Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for this. God, I give you all the praise that everybody said. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Thank you. (laughs) So Amos 5.4 says, seek me and and live. And Hebrews 11.6 says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Never stop seeking him. So when I was growing up, one of my favorite games uh, was this. And anybody with me? Play it hide and seek. How many still like to play hide and seek? All right. Uh, How many of you play hide and seek with your grandkids? All right. How many of you aunts and uncles play hide and seek with your nieces and nephews? And how many of you parents play hide and seek? How many of your parents your kids play hide and seek from you? All right. Uh, there's sometimes but uh, you know, I never really liked uh seeking very much. In hide and seek, I want to be the guy that hides or the the person that hides because seeking, you know, it was almost looked down upon. If you're the person seeking somebody, it's like nobody wants to do that. Everybody wants to go hide somewhere, right? I remember one time uh, my parents were pastoring our our, uh, our church at the youth pastor and his wife came over and my friends were over and, and and my parents, I don't know where my parents were, but we decided to play hide and seek in our house. My parents were gone. They had no clue that we, we did this. And and in the and, and, and they were gone and you know, uh and so me and my friends and our youth we play hide and seek in our house. And I had an advantage in our house because guess where I hid? In my parents' room, and nobody wanted to go into my parents' room. Smart, right? You know, so I, I'm I, I'm very competitive, but you know, um, you know, I, I begin to think about this. I've always been a fan of hide and seek. One time when I was little, I think I've told this story here before. I don't remember how old I was, maybe four or five. My parents, we went to the mall to go shopping, and and I hid in the clothes rack, the round clothes racks. I remember the round clothes racks, and I hid in the middle of this very crowded clothes rack. And my parents were calling my name, and I was sitting there, and I was like, "I am not telling them where I am." And they're like, "They were, you know, my real name is Timothy, and, and, and so, and you know, and they called me by by Tim or Timmy or or you know, you can't call me that, but they call, they can call me only family can call me that, all right? Or Timmy Joe, sometimes they call me that, all right? I'm telling on myself, and they were, you know, my mom would or teach, you know, TJ, they they would shorten it and say teach, and they were calling my name. And every time they'd call my name and I'd sit in there and I was quiet. And for like an hour, I would didn't make a peep. Matter of fact, there was a point where they stopped calling my name and they went looking in the mall and they, they scattered looking for me. And then it wasn't so funny then, right? And, and, and then, then they finally came back, and I came out of the garments, and my mom grabbed me, and she lit my posterior up. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? And she said, why did you do that? And I was like, I don't know. I just I had to. I couldn't help it. And, and you know, uh, because I, I remember I got in trouble. But, but here's, here's what I know. We, we are to be a people who are seeking the Lord. And I just want to encourage you today that that is what that is what we should be about. Not just not just one time, not just a salvation moment, but continually all the time seeking the Lord every day that I get up. I should be seeking him. Amos five, four promises that if we seek him, we will live. And Hebrews tells us that God is a rewarder for those who diligently seek him. Jeremiah tells us that. That if we seek the Lord with all our heart, we will find him. And let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, that is a promise from God, when you seek God with your whole being, here's the problem. Some people say, I tried Jesus, and, and I just didn't get it. But let me tell you something. You're going to have to, you're gonna have to uh, basically lay your life down to follow Jesus. You're going to have to let some things go. I'm going to have to uh, crucify our, our flesh. Amen? Come on, somebody. And here's what happens. We often stop seeking the Lord because of tough times, Right? situations come on somebody oh, or sometimes just because of complacency in our life and, and our relationship with the lord it's not because of him that you're complacent it's because of of you but but i want to look at 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 the example of 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 king david all right king david and King David is known as a man after God's own heart. I don't know about you. I would love people to say at my funeral, man, Pastor TJ was a man after God's own heart. You don't just get to say that. You earn that. People look and they watch you. And they and so he he is known in Scripture as a man after God's own heart. And in the, in the middle of one of his toughest times... I love how he models for us over and over and over and over again what it means to keep seeking God. I, I do. I love this. So if you have your Bibles, you can go back to Psalm 63, Psalm, Psalm 63, Psalm 63, and, and, and I'll give you a little backstory. If you If you go to Psalm 63 in your Bible, it probably says something like this. Uh, You know, David is in the wilderness in Judah at the top. Does anybody's Bible say that? All right. This is not. This is not something that the uh, the the writers put that in there intentionally because they want to give you a context of what is going on here. And so David finds himself in the wilderness of Judah, and it was it was a very dark time for him. This was a a place that he would often run, and he would go to the wilderness when Saul was trying to kill him before he was king. He would go to the wilderness and he would hide and take take refuge there and 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 in this case you know he is out there in the wilderness most likely because his son Absalom is trying to take over the kingdom and he's trying to kill his father how many know that that is that is a that is a that is a jacked up family situation right there isn't it literally this 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 king is here, and his son is trying to kill him to take over the throne, and David does what, what he what he would normally do, he, he begins to run out to the wilderness, he feels betrayed, anybody ever felt betrayed by somebody close to you, anybody close to you ever let you down, and, and you thought, man, I could trust them, you know, and some people are like, well, that's my family, and sometimes the very people that are the closest, right man i hit my mic so hard i turned it off i don't even know how that happened but his son is trying to take over his kingdom and 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 david is 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 kicked out of his home and his palace in jerusalem and he's he's wandering out to the wilderness and and you might be here today in a situation where you're you feel like i'm out in the wilderness i i i'm not where I should be and 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 and, and the scripture says that he's 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 thirsty I believe physically and spiritually he's hungry but in the middle of, of this trial David is still a man after God's own heart why is David out here I'll, I'll tell you this I'll tell you this David is a little bit older in his life here, and he's at the place, and he's already committed his sin with Bathsheba. He's already murdered Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, and, and 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 so he's had all these things. And let me tell you something. If you sin, God will forgive you of your sins. Listen to me carefully. If you sin, God will forgive you of your sins. There are still repercussions for your sins. And the Bible tells us that that David... Committed this sin. God forgave him. You know, Psalm 51, he cries out, he, you know, uh, cleanse my heart, O Lord. Wash me with hyssop. And he's, this beautiful Psalm 51, he lays it out on the line. And God restores things, but that does not mean that there are not repercussions for your sins. And so so through, this, through this process, everyone say, you reap what you sow. That's it. You reap what you sow. So if you sow in sin, you're going to reap in sin. And so he's got this family situation that is messed up from the floor up. I mean, it is it is, it is a terrible, terrible thing. And so he's in this place. So I want to look at this psalm. There's something beautiful about this psalm. And, and, and the first thing that David does, okay, if you're a note taker, you write this down. David makes it personal. This is the first thing that he does. He makes it personal. He gets real with God. Let me tell you something. The best place that you could be is in the wilderness. Down in your situation is to get yourself to the real most realest place that you can with the Lord and just be real with God right off the get-go. God, I am broken. God, I am lost. God, I, I don't know how to deal uh, uh, with this situation. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. A lot of us, oh, man, here's the deal. How many remember when you first started started dating? All right. How many remember when you first started dating? Some of you are, man, some of you guys are so old. You don't even remember when you first started dating. You've been around so long. All right. How many remember, all right, how many are married in all right, thank you. Man, I, look at your spouse and say, I do remember when we first started dating. But all right, because none of you answered that. But but you know what's interesting about dating? Uh, dating is such a funny thing to me because here's what happens. You know what we do when we go out on a date? We get dressed up. Our hair is perfect. Girls put on makeup. We smell the best, right? We put our best foot forward. We go out to eat with somebody, and we order something that's not expensive and right, or, or or really expensive, one of the two. But and then we put this this facade of who we are out. And then after you've been with somebody for a little bit of time, you find out, whoo man, that is not the same person that I first started dating on the first date, right? When you, oh come on, some of you husbands and wives need to talk to me. Some of, you, some of you know, some of you know, huh, some of you can look over at your spouse in the middle of the night when they're snoring and the wallpaper coming off the wall going, this is not the person that I, that I went on a first date with. This is, this is not the same person. But what happens is the real you is finally revealed. The real you is finally revealed through time and through process. And David here, he just I, what I love about David is David is like, God, here's my heart. I got nothing else to hide. Here it is. This is me. But this is what he says. And man, this this psalm has been wrecking me for a couple of weeks now. Psalm 63, 1 says it says this, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. Beautiful, beautiful. I man, put a pin right there. We could stop right there all day long and just, just the. But David he he's he's opens up. This psalm, and he's in the wilderness, and the first thing he says is this. No, he doesn't say it. He declares it. He declares it. Oh, God, you are my God. Let me get this straight first. You are God, and I am not. I know my rightful place. You are God, and I am not. This is a declaration of who God is and where David is personally. He is magnifying God. He is exalting God. He is putting God in his right place. He is submitting. Come on, somebody. He's humbling himself to the place of God. I need you. God, you are my God. I love this. James 4 6 says God resists the proud, but gives grace to the to the humble. So so David is literally laying his heart down and he's like God I you oh God you are my God I've got a mess going on here but you are God and David is humbling himself, and, and, and here he's getting a, a renewed sense of God's presence. When you've been in the wilderness for a while, when you've been struggling for a while, how many knows it, it is refreshing when you start to get a renewed uh, sense of God's presence again. He begins to restore your mind. He begins to restore your peace. He begins to restore your hope. Amen? And then he does this. There's a confession of David's faith in God. God, you are God. You are not just a God, you are my God. You are sovereign over me. I love that. And somebody needs to hear that today. The next part of this verse says, earnestly I seek you, diligently or or early or first. And, and David's got it right here. Here We miss this a lot. The King James Version, if you have a King James Version, it says early, right? It says early. Early in the morning I see, seek you. Early can can be defined as first let me ask you this question. What's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? Let me show you. Come on. Right? Because you know you got 10,000 texts and 400 emails and everyone in the world was trying to reach you in your eight hours of sleep, right? That's the first thing we do. We, we look, at, look at this thing right here. The first thing that we do, uh, you know, we check our phone, we check our emails. Or maybe you're like me. You get up in the morning and you crack your back, <laughs> right, just trying to get out of bed. Or maybe this is you. You get your coffee. Now, come on, somebody. Now I'm stepping on my own toes, right? Got to get that coffee. Got to get that in, in your body, right? Come on, somebody. I, I, God loves coffee, right? He even wrote a book in the Bible, Hebrews. That's all about coffee. No, I'm just, I'm just joking. All right, so but God, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> sorry, I'm 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 getting off track here. But but let me tell you something. It says a lot about us and who we are by the very first thing that we do in the morning. What we prioritize or what we do in the morning. The Israelites, you know, and it, you know, they got up early to collect manna, and to enjoy the day's supply. And I can't help but wonder, man. Sometimes we miss that, right, because we're in such a hurry to do everything that we need to do, and God's just sitting over there going, I've got a supply for you if you'll take it right here, right now. We're like, hold on, God, i got to do this. i got to get my kids there. i got to do this. i got to do all those things, right? It's a priority. Lamentations 3.22 and 23 says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His, that means his love is continual. It's coming. His mercies never come to an end. Amen? But look at this. Verse 23, they are new every what? God's got something new today that he didn't have for you yesterday. It's that journey every day. God, if you'll get up and say, God, what do you have for me today? I will take it. God, I give you praise today. God, I give you adoration today. God, my back hurts today. But, Lord, through you, I'm going to make it through this day. Come on, somebody. And what I love about the end of that verse, they are new every morning. And then it says, great is your faithfulness. Every day, Lord, you are been faithful. Hey, will you wave your hand at me if God has been faithful to you? Come on. Will you, will you let me know? Oh, I love that. Earnestly or early in the morning, I, I will seek you. Let, uh, let me translate that for you. Before I do anything else, God, it is you first. Come on, somebody. You want to revolutionize your walk with the Lord? Make him the first priority in the morning. He doesn't care that you haven't brushed your teeth yet. Did you know that? Your spouse might be like, go brush your teeth before you start talking to me. But the Lord will talk to you with bad breath. It's okay. He's God first. If we make that a priority, our first priority, the problem is this. In our wilderness, oh, come on, I'm about to talk to somebody. In our wilderness moment, you know what we want to do? Talk to everybody else but the Lord. Oh, Greg, come here, come here. I need to tell you. No, no, stay right there. But this is this is what we do. This is what we do. Oh, Greg, I need to tell you. I've got this going on and this going on, and I'm struggling here. Oh, Jared, man, this going on, and this is happening in my life. Matt, this is happening. And then I'm like, and God's over here going, hey, come to me. I've got the answer that you need. Greg don't have the answer. Jared don't have the answer. Matt don't have the answer. But I him the answer if you will diligently seek me everyone say seek me amen Uh, so this the next part of this verse says my soul thirsts for you my flesh faints for you as as in a dry and weary land where there is no water have you ever been in a place where there is no water that is a terrible place to be. I lived in California, the high, the high desert. And and Josh can man, he can he can attest to this. In the summer times, triple digits, from like May all the way to October, triple digits, just hundred degrees. Just over and over. And if you're outside for any length of time, matter of fact, you may not even realize you're sweating, but you you're sweating and it evaporates off of you before you even know it. And people get dehydrated all the time. But if you've ever been stuck out in the desert without any water, it is terrible. You know what makes you want to get a drink, right? When you think about it, you think about how dry something is. You're like, that water fountain sounds pretty good out there in the foyer right now. Have you ever been thirsty? The other day, you know, uh, I don't know how this happened, somewhere in our scheduling. Uh, I don't know, Tristan was gone, and, and me and Wyatt went to the gym, and Novak was at our was with us. And so I, I was like, Novak, I have to take you to the gym with us today. Man, have you ever taken a 10-year-old to the gym? All right, listen. And I told him, I'm like, Novak, you need to sit, stay close to us, stay away from all the equipment. If you see people, just get out of their way. And, this, and the last thing I told him before we went out of the door of the house is, Novak, you need to get yourself a drink. What did Novak do? (laughs) Got up in the truck and we took off to town. We went and there we were in the process of, of this excruciating workout that me and Wyatt do. It's only excruciating because I'm old, and 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 in this workout, we're working out, and a little Novak is, is, is you know, he's trying to do stuff, and he looks like, a you know, a monkey on, on monkey bars, and just he's trying things and, and different things, I, and he's over there, and I'm like, hey, hit this punching bag, so he's just over there hitting this punching bag for like 20 minutes, you know, and I don't, you know, people probably thought, what is this kid doing, but, but he's over there, and then we get towards the end of our workout, and I said, hey, so me and Wyatt, we always do cardio, and Wyatt's like, I'm gonna jump rope, and I'm like, I am having no. Part of that, and so I'm like, I'm gonna go get on the elliptical, and so, uh, so through this process, he he gets done. He said, "Dad, I'm so thirsty. I'm wore out. I, 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 and he goes, I need a drink." And I said, "Buddy, the last thing I told you before we left the house was you needed to get a drink." He said, "Yeah, but Dad, I didn't get one," and I'm like. And I'm like, well, you'll make it home. I promise you will not die. Have you ever, have you ever, come on, everyone say, oh, you're a mean dad. You're a mean dad. You wouldn't go get him a drink. Lesson learned. You reap what you sow. (laughs) See, this world is crazy. And what I know about this world is it will leave you dry. And it will leave you empty. And you'll think that you're accomplishing something. But at the end of the day, you'll be sitting there and you'll be going, I just am dead spiritually, and this I'm struggling with. The, with this, it's a uh, you know, and and it'll leave you tore up, amen. But here's here's I, I don't know who who quoted this, but but this is a beautiful quote. And, uh, whoever it is, anonymous. There is a God shaped vacuum in the heart of every person, and it can never be filled by or any created thing that tells me that there is nothing in this world that can satisfy the need that is in me. It can only be filled by God made known through Jesus Christ. If you're dry, guess what? Jesus can fill that void. Look at this. Listen to me. Money cannot fill that void. If that was the case, man, millionaires would be doing great. But how many millionaires, how many, how many people that have fame, how many people have committed suicide? Because that will not satisfy you. Your career will not satisfy you because there will be days huh, that, that, that you will struggle. Hey, I'm not saying you can't be happy in your career and all those things. Those are great things, but there will be moments in your career those things will let you down. Not a relationship with someone. If you're hanging your hope on a relationship with a person, they will drop you they will mess up they cannot fill that void not a substance come on I'm talking to somebody in here no drug can fill the void that Jesus can fill not the pleasures of life And let, let me tell you something all of those things they will leave you dry like Novak at the gym why didn't I let him drink after me? You know why I didn't let him drink after me. I don't drink after nobody. All right? Come on. Boy, you're a harsh pastor. Well, I got my rules, and I, I just st- I stick by my convictions. All right? Here's what I know. Only a relationship with God can fill that void. And you can search all over this world. John, Jesus said it in John 7, 37, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. If you're dry on the inside, Jesus is saying today, come, come, because I can fill the very thing that you need. I, I love that bit of scripture. Jesus says if, you're, if you are weary, he says what? Come to me, all who are weary, and I will what? Give you rest. Verse 2 says this, so I have looked upon You in the sanctuary, beholding the power, your power, uh, uh, beholding your power and glory. So I love this. David's in a dry place physically and spiritually, but he begins to remember when he was in the sanctuary with the Lord. How many can remember when you got saved? How many can go back to the place? How many can remember the place where God transformed you? How many can go back to the You remember God's power and God's glory. I remember when I got saved. I remember the grass was greener, right? The sky was bluer. I don't know how. I don't know why, but I know that there was something That happened to me in the power and the glory of God. How many have seen the power and the glory of God? See, it's what we need to remember is the vision uh, on the mountain experiences help us during the valley experiences. When we're up on the mountain, everything's going good. Yeah. And God's like, oh, I'm fixing to take you down into this valley, and it's going to be a long journey to the next mountain. And when we get down in that valley, and we're struggling, and we're we're, we're toiling and we're, we're growing in the Lord. Listen to me. I, I've been in California the mountains. Not very much grows on the mountains, but a lot grows in the valley. And the most growth that you'll have in your relationship with the Lord is when you're going through a, a valley or a dry time or a tough time. So, you know, have you ever thought why we don't feel the mountaintop experiences or the thrill of the sanctuary all the time? Because here's what I know. We go from faith to faith is what what the scripture tells us. We we go through uh, tough times and dry times and valley moments. And you know what they do? They strengthen our faith. And I can look back at the mountain when I'm in the valley and go, God had me there, so he'll get me here. I may not understand it. I may not see it all. But if he had me there, he'll get me to where I'm going, amen, how many can attest to that today, so, so come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise, number two, I love this. The next portion of this bit of scripture, David defines his priority. Hey, I'm going to show you what my priority. God, I made it personal with you, Lord. You are the God of my life, all right? And, Lord, I am going to earnestly seek you. Lord, I remember what you've done for me. So this is the second thing that he does. He defines his priority. So David goes from a personal to priority of praise and blessing the Lord. Come on, somebody. He goes from talking uh, uh, about the Lord to begin to praising the Lord. Look at this. Verse 3 says this. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will what? My lips will what? All right. Say, Pastor, why do you always say we open up your mouth? Because it's what we're supposed to do. You know what? When you say something, oh, listen, let me let me tell you how do you build your faith. When you're worshiping the Lord, you know how you build your faith? When you say it, guess what? You also hear it. You're building your faith. Faith comes by hearing, God, I worship you. God, I trust you. God, I love you. And guess what? You're telling your soul, hey, 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 he's got this. He's got this. So God's love is steadfast. It's constant. It does not change. It is faithful. Amen. It's more faithful than old faithful. Come on, somebody, right? So so it's 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 nice of them to name that that geyser after our, our God, right? He is the old he is old faithful, right? But but look this your love is better than anything, David declares, is what he's saying. God, Lord, uh, more than anything in this world, more than anything ever. Lord, I need you. If I don't have your love, this is what he's saying. Life is not worth living he's declaring to the lord hey uh, you know the the verb phrase you uh, uh, you here means to glory or to keep in praise, not just praise once, but to keep in praise, to continually praise, right, to continually praise. Some of you need to get that in your heart, continually praise. When I'm in a dry time, that's the last thing I want to do. But I, you know what, I, I have to make my, my physical body sometimes come under subjection of what my spirit's saying and say, hey, you are going to lift your hands today, T.J., you're going to put a smile on your face. You're going to shout with a voice of triumph. Thank you, Jesus! Because of the things that he's done for me, all right? Verse 4 says this, so I will bless you as long as I live in in your name. I will lift up my hands, amen? Lift up my hands. So we're going to praise him with our lips. We're gonna We're going to praise him with our hands. But we'll bless him. The word bless here is to convey happiness or prosperity on. You know what? God doesn't need prosperity from us. His prosperity is better than what we can give him. But I tell you what it does. It makes him happy when he sees us blessing him when we lift up our hands. And he says, look at those people that are worshiping me. The scripture says that God goes to and fro across the earth looking for people that will praise his name. Let me ask you a question. Will you be a people that will lift up your hands and say, God, I'll bless your name. God, I'll praise your name. God, I'll give you all that I am. Why do we lift our hands? To bless the Lord. Let me give you a good example right here. In football, when a team scores, what does the ref do? Touchdown, right? And everyone gets excited and they signal, they, they throw their hands up and it's a signal of what has been done. Listen to me, some of you need to learn to signal what God has done in your life. Hey, I, did he get you up this morning? Touchdown. Did he did you have the activities of your lamb? Touchdown. Did he bless you? Yes. Did he restore your marriage? Bless. Did he save you from hell? Touchdown. That's what we're doing. We're telling our neighbor, hey, God has done something amazing in my life. Come on, somebody. I love that. Psalms 126, 3 says, The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Amen. Psalms 40, verse 2 says, He also brought me up from a horrible pit. How many that God brought you out of a horrible, how horrible pit? Out of the miry clay, and he set my feet on the rock, and he established my steps. Touchdown. Come on, somebody. Amen. Hang on. Hang on. Another reason that we raise our hands is, we, I don't know if you remember, when you were in school, some of you may not be able to remember way back then. Some of you went to school with Moses, so I don't even know. But, 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 but here's the thing. When, you, when the teacher would, would ask the question, hey, what is this, 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 and you knew the answer, what would you do? And then if the teacher didn't notice you, and go, oh. right? Try to get the teacher. Oh, none of you were teacher's pet, all right? Right? I know the answer. And what we do when we lift our hands, we're saying, God, I know the answer. And the answer is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Psalms 134.2 says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. I don't think we'd be out of order if we didn't. Come on, we ought to lift our hands right now and begin to bless the Lord right here, right now. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Verse 5 says this, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. Oh, man, you know I was going to get to food somewhere in my sermon every week. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. So David here realized that he confers to us that because of God's faithfulness is more important than life, sustaining necessity like food and water uh, are not as important. As, it, as much as it is to praise God. It's what he's showing us. He's showing us something here. Listen, Lord, I, I will die without worshiping you. God, I, I won't make it without worshiping you. Lord, you are more important than any sustenance that I can have on this earth, even golden corral. Come on, somebody. Example. Let me, let me give you a good example. I, I don't know about you, but I, 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 I'm, I, I'm satisfied with food way too often in my life. Right? make a good meal, make a good barbecue. Uh, I I don't know about you. I love a good ribeye steak. I felt the anointing on that one. I, I, I I love a good piece of chicken. Of course you do, preacher, right? I like a good pizza. I like a good pie. Come on, somebody. Come on. I like a good pie with some ice cream. Come on, somebody. Woo, come on. You know what I'm talking about. Cobbler with a little bit of ice Man, I'm about to shout right here. Uh, but, but here, while those things can satisfy you for a while, only Jesus can satisfy forever. Amen. The, the, the word praise here means this, to boast. Lord, I'm going to boast on you. Lord, I'm going to talk about your goodness. God, I'm going I'm to tell you what you mean to me. God, I'm going to brag on you. I'm going to tell you what you, and this is what happens. When we begin to boast on the, on the Lord, our lips and our countenance begins to change, and we have what this scripture says, joyful lips. Joyful lips. They're full of joy. Verse 6 says this, when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. How many of you have trouble sleeping at night? All right, some of you may do this, but listen, if you're in a place at night, David's saying this, hey, I'm in the middle of a trial, and I have been struggling, sleeping at night, and he is rolling around. Uh, and he's like most Americans, he's, he's having a tough time sleeping. But David says this, if, 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 you, if you can't sleep and you're tossed and turned, begin to meditate on the Lord. Meditate on his goodness in bed. Instead of picking up your phone, instead of doing whatever, instead of turning on the TV, begin to meditate on what God has done in your life. What does that mean? Meditate means this. It means to speak about the things of God or to fill one's mind with the knowledge of God. Begin to think about, begin to think about your favorite gospel story and what Jesus did and how he turned, turned someone's life around. Instead of being consumed with troubles of life, David disciplines himself to think of the goodness of God. When I'm in a dry season, sometimes it's hard to discipline myself to think about what God has done in my life you know, there's the old song, it says, when I think about the Lord and what he's done for me, my soul says hallelujah, praise God for saving me. Hey, if you don't have anything else, you can meditate by saying that right there. Verse 7 says this, for you have been my help, and, and in the shadow of your wings I will what? Sing for David's given us some beautiful things here. Hey, I'm going to bless you with my lips. God, I'm going to raise my hands. I'm going to bless you with my hands. God, I'm going to sing for joy. So God is our help, amen. Psalms 46.2 said, God is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. God is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. Some of you need to hear that. God is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. I don't care what you're dealing with. God will be there with you if you will just open up your heart. I love that it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful scripture Psalm 91.4 says He will cover you with His feathers Right? In the NLT He will shelter you with His wings His faithful promises are your armor and protection This tells me this That when I am in a dry place God is going to be like I got you right now And all I have to do oh, Come here Wyatt Come here, run, run up here Run, 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 run Faster, faster, faster. This is how he works out, too. I want you to put your arm up since you're taller than me. Okay, you're going to be God. <laughs> All right? But this is what happens. Oh, That's a tough casting call right here. All right? This is what happens. When I'm in the middle of my storm, God shelters me with his wing. And he covers me. And when the storms of life begin to happen, when the wilderness of life begins to happen, he begins to protect me. And when I'm scared and I'm shaken, he's got his wing over me. And you know what that tells me? I can sing for joy. And I can worship him because his protection will be with me. Come on and give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I will sing for joy. Or this this word rejoice, which means I will sing with a shout. (laughs) That's literally what that word means. I love this. Verse 8 says this, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. God's got me here and God's got me here. Amen. God's got me over here and God's got me down here. There's no way. Uh, that I, I'm going to cling to you. This word "cling" or or follows hard after the Lord. How many want to follow hard after the Lord? I love this. Uh, it it does not mean to casually seek the Lord. I'm just seeking the Lord. I'm bird watching for the Lord right now. No, 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 no. It means to follow hard after Him. It's like my wife when she saw me, she began to pursue me, following hard after me, saying, "Hey." I gotta, I gotta, I gotta see that dark hair, blue eyed guy. That's not the way that went. All right, all right, but. But, but I'm, I'm seeking him with all my mind and all my body and all my soul. And I'm, I'm doing things that I've never done before because I need to know him more. I need to cling to him. I need to be as close to him as possible. I need to walk with him. I need him to walk with me. Amen. And, and, and the same follow hard here is we see it in the, in the book of Ruth. And I, it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, explanation. I love the, uh, the book of Ruth. When Naomi told her daughter-in-laws, remember, uh, t- tragic situation, both her husband. Her sons had died, and she told her daughter in laws to go back to Moab because that's where they were from. It's amazing that the, the, the scripture tells us that Orpah uh, kissed Naomi. What a terrible name. Orpah kissed Naomi, and she said, I'm out. I'm going back to Moab. And she left. But listen to this. But the Bible says this that Ruth. Clave to her, Ruth 1.14, she hung on to Naomi and she said, hey, your people are going to be my people. Where you go, I will go, is what she said. Listen to me. God is looking for somebody who will cleave on to him and say, God, I'm going where you're going. I don't care what the world does. God, I will follow you. I will seek you with all that I am. Amen. I don't, tra- I don't care how dry it gets or how tough it gets or how hot it gets. I don't care how unfruitful it may be initially, but I'm going to cling to you, Lord. Let me, let me just show you this. Who is Ruth's grandson? This is amazing. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Who is Ruth's grandson? King David. King David's tenacity. Oh, tenacity. His tenacity. To hang on, I, I, think, I think it's within his family mom and dad, you cling to the Lord and your kids will see that if you cling to the Lord your kids will see that, and the scripture says this, uphold me with your right strong uh, uh, right hand, is a metaphor of God's power, how many know that God has power amen, and it's a reminder to you it's a reminder to David and to us today that God will deal with our situation and our problem. basically this I'll, I'll just put it to you in layman's terms God got your back. Amen? For the 14 of you that got that, you know, the rest of you need to get that in your heart. God's got your back. So we see David's purpose well, was to bless and praise and to lift up his hands, to open his mouth and shout of the goodness of God. But then here's the last, last bit of this. David reveals his passion. I'm going to be fast here. I'm going to be fast, I promise. Verse 9 says this. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down in the depths of the earth. Verse 10. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion uh, for jackals. And even though he was in the wilderness and he's chased from, from his throne and he was being hunted like an animal, he's certain that his enemies are going to be defeated. Hey, I've already made up my mind. God's going to take care of this for me. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know all the, all the logistics of it. But I know this. It's I could trust the Lord. He's got my back. This was not confidence in himself, but listen to me. This was godfidence. God, you got me. God, my confidence is in you. How many could say, hey, I need some confidence in the Lord today? Amen? No matter, no matter how negative your situation is that you're facing, you need to put your confidence in Jesus. Christ, the God of the universe who, could, who holds you with his strong right hand, who will cover you with his wing, who will protect you in the dry and, the, and, a, and a thirsty time. Listen to this. Verse 11 says this, but the king shall rejoice in God. I like David here. He doesn't even say, hey, David's going to rejoice. He says, no, the king. The king. Now remember, he's running. His son's trying to take his kingdom, but he makes a declaration here. I am still king. The purpose that God has for me, it it will be accomplished. The king shall rejoice in God. Amen, amen. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. So the king is uh, uh, king. Rejoice in God, and David is basically saying this: I will be glad again. That's what rejoice means here. This word rejoice right here means God, I will be glad again. Some of you are in a dry season. You need to put your hands up and say God, I will be glad again. I love this word rejoice because the root word for rejoice is joy. Read the prefix, means this, again. And David is basically saying joy again. Joy again. Joy again. God, when I put my trust in you, joy again. When I praise you, joy again. And joy begins to rise. He goes from crying and moaning at the beginning of this psalm to lifting his hands and rejoicing and saying, God has got me. Now listen to me. Let me ask you this question today as I end this, this sermon today. What are you seeking? What are you seeking? Let me ask you this. Is it the Lord? Are you lost in the wilderness? Come on. I, I, I just, just an honest observation right now. I need you to, to just think about this. Do your enemies have you running and feeling dry and weary today? And say, hey, uh, hey, that's, that's me, pastor. That's me. This is David would seek the Lord first in a personal way in humility, putting down it, uh, putting God in his place and submitting to the Lord. Oh God, you are my God, and I will earnestly seek you. I, I will seek you early. You'll be the first in my life. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Listen to me, some of you, some of you can't get past that first step because you you have so much pride in your life. And say I, I, can't submit. I can't, I can't give to God. But listen to me. God will bless you. God will, and listen to me. It, it is the best decision that you'll ever make when you submit to His will. Is it easy? Sometimes no. The next thing that David does is he, cho- he chose to praise and bless the Lord. He didn't wait for things to change, but he began to praise before he even knew the answer was there. Some of you need to get that in your heart. Some of you want to praise God after he answers your prayer. You ought to praise God before. God, I don't know what's going to happen, but today I don't feel like it, but I'm going to tell my flesh. Raise your hands. Begin to bless the Lord. I'm going to tell this sad face of mine, smile. Begin to bless the Lord. Listen to me. You cannot praise the Lord and not smile. If you're doing it right, you ought to be going, yeah. Say, oh, you're crazy, Pastor. I know. I don't care. I'm crazy about Jesus. I don't care what you think about me. I'm crazy about him. He makes me smile because you know why? He's kept me. He's brought me. He's not dropped me. He's never failed me. There's been times where I messed up, and he's like sitting there graciously going, come to me. Come on, come on. Are you thirsty? Are you dry? Come, come. He rejoiced in God, and David went from defeated to trusting Worship with the Lord. It's a matter of choice. And that choice is yours today. This is a challenge. I know this is different today. I know, I know this isn't post-Easter type sermons that you're supposed to seek. But let me ask you today. Are you willing to seek the Lord? Are you dry in your heart? Say, hey, I need a feeling. If you're here, bow your heads with me all across this building. Will you trust the Lord today? He wants a personal relationship with you. Nothing, nothing. In this world, will fill that, that place that Christ will fill. If you're here and you say, Hey, I, I want to know Jesus as, as my Savior today, so we wait just a moment.